part twenty seven of narrative of the operations and recent discoveries in egypt and nubia by giovanni belzoni this librivox recording is in the public domain part twenty seven journey to the oasis of ammon part four we went a good day's march as the camels were fresh again and the next day the first of june towards the evening we saw another eloah at a great distance on the second we arrived there it was a long tract of land forming a crescent of more than twenty miles from one point to the other there are several good spots of ground to cultivate and various springs of good water the side where we entered was at one point of the crescent there we found a few trees some spots of ground with rice a tomb of a mohammedan saint and no one to be seen anywhere we advanced in search of water and soon found it close to a large sycamore tree which afforded a fine shelter from the sun close to the tree we found a hut made of four mats attached together inside of it we saw a bowl of fresh milk and in a bag attached to the hut we found some dates one of the drivers was sent in search of the inhabitants of this hut and it was some time before he could find one at last a miserable-looking wretch was brought there who was so frightened at the sight of strangers that notwithstanding the good treatment he met from us he could not get the better of it he was a good-natured sort of being living far from the wicked world as i thought and i almost envied him but mankind are the wildest of all animals particularly against each other we took the usual acidi which we ate with the milk and made the man partake with us we gave him some dura and flour and some grains of burnt coffee which he tasted with delight after eating he set off and soon returned with another man with an appearance even worse than his own a sort of short ugly-looking fellow turned-up nose long teeth out of his mouth and uncommon thick lips his eyes standing out of his forehead and his hair resembling the serpents of medusa he was very sulky with us and for all we tried to be friendly with him he could not reconcile himself to us i could not conceive what was the reason why this man was so totally different from the other the fact was this that my guide happened to be recognized by him to be one of the assailants of part of his tribe at a place near the southern eloa and that he escaped from them by chance all this was told by the good-natured man to my hajj in arabic who repeated it to me i told it to the guide and he immediately recognized the man the guide then went up to him and talked in friendly terms but he could not put him into good humour i caused the hajj to inquire how many people there were in the eloah and he said a great many but would not tell the number probably i thought they were but few only they wished to frighten us away notwithstanding all this i thought it would be proper to keep a strict guard at night but we soon found that we were not to sleep there the ugly man disappeared half an hour before we perceived it and by this time it was quite dark we perceived great uneasiness in our guide but he did not wish to show it either to us or to the other men of the place some time after the other man on pretence of fetching water set off so that we remained by ourselves our guide was still more uneasy at last i insisted to know what was the matter he then told us plainly that he expected we should be attacked by a party on that night and that he feared they would be too strong for us 
he thought the best expedient was to load our camels and set off as soon as we could i thought there was no time to be lost but notwithstanding i did not like to be frightened away merely on supposition we concluded that we should load the camels and change our position till we saw what might happen it was well that we did so for soon after we perceived a number of men from various parts our camels were sent off with the luggage and i remained not far from the place where we were before with the guide though it was pretty dark we could see enough of their actions and of their disappointment at not finding us there they were in greater numbers than we could have opposed we made a forced march or rather a hasty retreat and with the same pace we kept on the whole night till we reached the opposite point of this aloha here we were extremely tired the camels could not stir any further without resting at last after a few hours we entered this place in the morning of the third which we found better cultivated than the other side of the crescent it was owing to the necessity of wanting water that we came there to refresh our camels otherwise we should not have passed that way as it was not in our road back to the great aloha here i found more verdure and several trees of small sweet apples which are also found in egypt there are dates plants and vegetation for the camels at some distance i saw a high wall which drew my attention on my arrival there i found the site of a small ancient town built of burnt bricks the baths were the only buildings which remain in good preservation they are cemented within with the same material which was in use by the greeks and romans for that purpose it is a kind of reddish cement made of ground bricks mixed with lime the walls of the houses are to be seen and close to the town stands the high wall which drew me there it evidently enclosed an edifice of which a very little portion now remains no doubt the materials have been taken to erect other buildings as at no great distance from this i saw another wall and on my approaching it i found it to be a greek christian church in a good state of preservation the inside is built in the form of a cross and has various divisions at each side at the end there is the usual chapel and the two places for the lateral altars which form the sides of the cross it is about fifty feet long and twenty wide the materials are of burnt and unburnt bricks at some distance from this i came to another building very massive it was a square wall without entrance i contrived to ascend to the top of it and found that it must have been a copt convent there were several cells separated from each other and a very deep well of water in the centre so that the inhabitants of the place were independent of the necessity of coming out to seek that element having fed the camels we advanced farther into this part of the aloha as we had to cross it to come on our road again at some distance we found a man who no longer perceived us than he set off like an antelope our guide ran after and succeeded in reaching him within the distance of a gunshot he then hailed him and he stopped for when a man is within the reach of a gun if he do not obey he may expect a ball will reach him our guide then turned back and the man followed him when he came sufficiently near to allow me to speak to him i found that he was nearly out of breath with fear 
as it is time that i should state the reason why this man as well as he of the other part of this aloha were so frightened i must inform my reader that my guide was no less than one of the sheikhs of these bedoween tribes who make their incursions into these places at a time when the rice or barley are up and take away all they find rob the poor inhabitants of the fruits of their labor and often leave them to starve in the lone desert and if any resistance is made their lives are often the forfeit of this attempt to protect their property grumar was well known by all of the people of the aloha but no one communicated this to me but the moorish hajj came to the knowledge of it by other people and he of course communicated it to me and if we had stayed a little longer in the place where we were the night before we should have paid the forfeit for what grumar had done before to these people this was the reason why he would not take us to siwa for he was too well known there and if we had gone to that place with such a man we should have become the victims of revenge we requested the poor man to show us some water which he took us to in a few moments we halted a while to refresh our camels and make our achite or flour pudding we took our station under a large suit tree and set the camels to finish their repast the country here forms a circle with a running rivulet in the centre the water is very sweet and the land produces good rice and barley the inhabitants are only six in number four men and two women they live entirely on the product of their own labour and water it is not to be wondered at that they were afraid of my guide as they knew his past tricks when he visited them with all his tribe of these people we only saw two the rest were absent far off at work and would not return till night we left this place and arrived at a day's distance from our first aloha or el Kassar, and on the fourth in the evening we reached that spot again it appeared that our hajj had lost his purse on the road with three or four dollars in it he thought he could find it if he could procure a donkey to go back a few miles but no one was willing to lend him one and having informed themselves where he thought he might have lost it they set off themselves and found the purse which they of course claimed as their own we passed the forenoon of the fifth in the village i inquired if any of them had any article to dispose of and told them that i would give them money in return nothing was brought to me of any consequence only a broken grecian vase of bronze about eight inches high of a very curious shape and a small cherub of greek work not more than three inches high during the morning i was taken on one side by the cady who was uncommonly polite to me all this time for which attention i could not account he told me in a few words that himself the sheikh salim and his father had made up their minds to offer me to remain there with them that i should become a mohammedan and that a great feast would be made on my account on the day of the festival of that ceremony that i should partake of part of their lands and if i knew how to introduce some new produce it would be all to my own advantage and lastly that i might choose four wives from among their own daughters and that i should be happy there without going about so much after stones i had not a little difficulty to get myself out of this scrape i left the cady with hopes that i would return soon and then perhaps my mind might be more inclined to stop there and marry 
but for the present i could not leave all the rest of my affairs at cairo which i left unsettled my sicilian servant was attacked also at the same time but he got off in a more speedy way than myself he told and promised them that as soon as he had accompanied me to cairo he would return immediately and stay there with them all the rest of his life at last we set off in the afternoon for the village of zabu and left all good friends at the village of el kassar to sheikh salem i made a present of a string of very ordinary sort of corals which he took with great pleasure some pieces of soap and a portion of coffee to the cady i gave equally the same on our coming out of the village the people saluted us very cordially and said they expected us soon back again to stay with them this day we began our journey very merrily but it ended very badly we ascended the rock we had to pass to come at the village of zabu and on our descending my camel slipped his foot on one side and rolled down the rock the height of about twenty feet taking me of course along with him i did not get off so easily this time as i did when i fell on the sand in wadi el gemal for here they were all hard stones fortunately however no other harm was done as it appeared at the time but a few bruises and a blow on my side i was put on a donkey belonging to a man who followed us from the other village and i was brought so to zabu to the house of sheikh ibrahim the son-in-law of our guide my saddle was my bed as usual fortunately we had a few drops of brandy in our stock and my bruises were rubbed with it but my side did not permit me to stir without great pain on our entering into the house i saw a great number of people assembled eating rice out of their usual bowls i was accommodated in the passage which leads from the street door to the yard behind the house my mattress or saddle occupied half of the space from one wall to the other and in all there was not two feet left for the men women children cows buffaloes donkeys sheep goats and dogs to pass there the passage was constantly crowded with people who occasionally trod on my feet or gave me a kick on the head but this was not the worst of the thing it happened often that while the cows buffaloes or donkeys passed i had reason to fear the consequences of my being thus situated there was another thing which was not the least of all the rest the feast of rice-eating was kept in consequence of the death of a man related to sheikh ibrahim the landlord of the house where i was and he was taken to be buried just before we arrived no sooner was the eating ended than the most tremendous noise issued from the outer doors it was the widow of the deceased who returned home accompanied with all the rest of the matrons of the village all in great uproar they had all to pass by my side into the yard where the house of the deceased was and every half hour they had to repeat this lamentation all through the street before the house so that the place where i lay was a continual passage the pain in my side was not diminished and the skin became rather black i tried to move but i could not on the morning of the sixth i had many visits of the sheikhs they all congratulated with me that i did not break my neck for it might have been so by the fall i had i spent the rest of the day in taking notes towards the evening of the second day i was with the moorish hodge and my sicilian servant who were my physicians i felt my side was somewhat better and i was in hopes to be able to bear the motion of the camel 
on the next day after sunset the widow who had buried her husband on the day before came and seated herself near to me sobbing i supposed for the loss of her husband my sicilian servant tried to persuade her to bear the loss patiently but she continued sobbing at last she said that none but me could restore her to happiness and that she hoped that i would not refuse her the favor i could not understand what the woman meant and she sobbed again while the moorish hajj was talking to quiet her but in vain she still continued there and said that none but me could cure her of all her trouble at last i asked what she wanted of me she said that she saw me writing magic and begged i would write two pieces of paper one to get another husband as soon as possible and the other to make use of for the same purpose if he should die we endeavoured to persuade her that i was not in possession of magic but she would not be convinced and went away much displeased with my harsh proceeding against her i could not help reflecting that if i had the art of procuring husbands to widows i could have obtained employment enough in europe without travelling in strange lands for such a purpose on the seventh i tried to mount the camel but my side would not permit me at last on the eighth on the afternoon we set off i felt much pain the two first days but it appeared diminishing after the above two days the eighth and ninth brought us to the flat desert of the horizon and another day the tenth to the tumulus the eleventh to rajan there we were without water and we had to drink some from that place which was very salt we however filled the hudris and on the twelfth took the road towards the south east by east as i wanted to go to see a place called el Mul we passed a great quantity of sandbanks this day and slept on the summit of one of them on the fifteenth afternoon we reached el Mul, hoping to find fresh water but alas we were disappointed the drivers made the eside with salt water and we ate it in this place i found the ruins of a small ancient village and the remains of a very large christian church and convent some of the paintings on the wall are very finely preserved particularly the figures of the twelve apostles on the top of a niche over an altar the gold is still to be seen in several parts and their faces are well preserved this place is situated at the end of a long tract of land which had been cultivated in former times but it is now left for want of water it extends more than ten miles from west to east towards the nile we went on as soon as we had refreshed ourselves with salt pudding and salt water for as we were disappointed there our next resource was the nile or at least some of its canals we travelled till midnight and arrived within twelve miles of that river we suffered much from thirst this night though we were so near the water my mouth had formed a crust of salt within it so that i could scarcely articulate a word and for several hours i felt what it was to be truly thirsty we were almost all in great distress at last one of the drivers told us to stop for there was sweet water near us at the sound of these words we were all agreeably surprised but i could not conceive where the water could be as we were in a flat plain covered with small pebbles and stones he had kept a small skin of water concealed in a sack all the way from the aloha as he said he expected this would happen 
i do not know that in all my life i have tasted anything more sweet and pleasant than that water though it had been closed up in a skin for several days at last on the morning of the fourteenth before the sun we arrived in the valley of the nile at the bahar yusef and on the evening of the same day we reached sudamin the place where i engaged my guide and on the fifteenth we returned to benzerf where i embarked for cairo the blow i received from the fall and the elawa did not get better it continued to pain me much and the part became black and swelled i found the consul mr salt had returned from upper egypt the plague was very violent in cairo at that time but as i had business to transact with the consul i went at night to the consulate and having arranged my affairs with him i returned to rosetta where i arrived on the twenty-third in hopes to end the business of the attack in karnak as soon as i could and set off for europe but i was totally mistaken for the intrigue displayed in this affair is almost beyond the possibility of explaining mr druetti in defence of the two assailants lebulo and rosagnano his compatriots and in his service said that mr salt was the accuser that in the account i sent to mr salt i had declared that i did not seek for redress and in fact i did not as i was well aware of the intrigues which would have been displayed by my adversary but as the affair had been brought forward i made a formal declaration against the two assailants lebulo and rosagnano mr duetti availing himself of the influence he had with the new consul mr russell made up a tissue of stories of his own fabrication saying that i went under his window to stop the people from working and that it was a mere dispute and not a premeditated attack mr russell wished to have this affair thrown aside and that nothing more should be said but we insisted it should be brought forward and upon having the two assailants brought down from thebes to alexandria mr duetti continued to put himself forward saying he was accused by mr salt but a declaration made by me that my deposition was against the two assailants put it out of his power to have any farther ground to prevent our proceeding against his agents on the pretext that he was accused also by this time the hurt i received from the fall and the aloha turned out to be troublesome and had confined me near a month to my bed in rosetta it happened that mr russell the french consul was to return to france and mr tednar devan the vice-consul succeeded him provisionally this good sort of honest gentleman a great honour to his country is a justice of peace had been in egypt for many years he was one who cut a conspicuous figure in the days of the revolution he never was higher than cairo and had a great wish to go up to thebes he never had a better opportunity offered to him than the present as he was to be judge in the above cause he answered to our consuls that if i wished to proceed i must deposit immediately twelve hundred dollars as a security to defray the expenses which would be incurred in the examination of this affair that he must go up to thebes accompanied with lojars clerks stewards witnesses boats barges canjars and so forth and all this at my expense while i might only hope for redress i was more than tired and as i knew the people we had to deal with and to what point they could carry their intrigues i had no hopes of redress 
be assured my gentle reader that in this simple sketch of this affair you can but form a very small idea of what passed for i cannot at present enter too far into the explanation of it i shall only state how it ended the two assailants lebulo and the renegado resignano piedmontese were obliged to come to alexandria to take their trials and when they arrived were so sure of getting off in some way or other that they not only confirmed my deposition but boasted of what they had done now to the conclusion their protector mr druetti knew very well how he should get out when the affair came to the extremity i demanded an interview with him before the consul and a number of other people to have an explanation of the various wrongs he had done to me but all to no purpose i insisted and at last it was arranged by mr druetti that an interview should take place with only the british vice-consul the french consul him and myself this was not what i wanted as i thought i might have the chance to expose his conduct publicly but he took care not to consent that a public meeting should ever take place unfortunately on my first landing in that country i became under an obligation to him and another person particularly by having had an apartment in his oclay for three weeks during the time of the plague and through the said obligation it was supposed and expected i should sacrifice my principles which has been another cause of so much hatred against me when i requested him to explain before the two consuls what cause i had given him to induce him to evince such animosity against me i believe he was not on his guard at that moment for the first word he expressed related to my wrong proceeding in taking the obelisk from the island of philo i could scarcely believe that a man who held a situation once as a consul should forget himself and show an open inveteracy against an individual merely because he was fortunate in his undertakings i must acknowledge that it must have been provoking to a man like druetti who did not search antiquity from the love of these relics but merely for interest and whose views were directed chiefly to the british and french museums to see a stranger accumulate in three years a greater and far superior collection than he had done in fifteen and as in consequence of this his hopes on the british museum were lost he could not restrain his passion the conclusion of all this affair was that after a nine-month struggle to bring the two assailants to a trial the french consul put an end to it in a few words by only saying that the two persons accused were not french subjects but piedmontese and that if we wanted redress we must go to turin for that thus i received redress for that shameful outrage but i was not surprised as i fully expected it would end in such a manner i should not intrude such a narrative on the patience of my reader were it not that even at paris i found the persecution of mr druetti had not ceased on my arrival in that capital i found his son-in-law busied with the public prince who only on the assurance of his assertion and the prejudice already excited against me for serving another nation put before the public whatever he could persuade the censors to pass and what he could not he publicly asserted in a most atrocious manner i had sent an answer to these publications to be inserted in the journals of paris 
but such were the intrigues carried on that my reply was intercepted and sent to mr Drouetti in alexandria consequently it never reached the hands of the editors at last having put an end to all my affairs in egypt in the middle of september eighteen nineteen we embarked thank god for europe not that i disliked the country i was in for on the contrary i have reason to be grateful nor do i complain of the turks or arabs in general but of some europeans who are in that country whose conduct and mode of thinking are a disgrace to human nature after an absence of twenty years i returned into the bosom of my family from whence i departed for england and having been persuaded to put before the world the narrative of my researches and operations in these countries i hope the english reader will pardon me for the many errors i have committed in this volume particularly in the english phrases end of part twenty seven end of narrative of the operations and recent discoveries in egypt and nubia by giovanni belzoni